Episode number two of The Golf Guy, coming up right now with Danny Wax. Thanks for joining us. Another edition of The Golf Guy, and I'm um, really, really pleased uh, to have today um, with us um, Danny Wax, um, who uh, is the CEO and founder of Four Links, which we're going to talk about uh, for sure at length in, in this um, in this podcast. And it's a really interesting uh, product and idea he's come up with. Um, but Danny also is a phenomenal player. Um, and um, so I thought we would um, uh, start off with, with that aspect of things. Danny, first of all, welcome. Thank you for making time today. Always good to talk to you. Yeah, Larry, thanks for having me. It, it only took about 20 years of our friendship to, to start a podcast. So, uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, Danny, maybe just, I mean, you're, you, um, you and I know each other uh, through um, uh, the club Brentwood here in West Los Angeles. Um, you obviously, you know, play the game, have played the game, still play the game at an exceptionally high level. Um, maybe tell us kind of how you got started in golf and, and I'd be interested in, you know, not only when you started, but kind of what your competitive experience was as a junior, um, and through college, um, before you went out on tour, how, how did you get started and what was all that like? Yeah. My parents had always put me into more team sports as a young kid. So I grew up playing baseball, basketball, soccer. And soccer was really kind of at the time what I was excelling at and what I spent most of my time, you know, playing and practicing. So it wasn't until I was about 12 or 13 years old that I started playing golf with my dad and my, my grandpa. So it really kind of started as more of a social activity for me that I could bond with, you know, not only my grandpa, but my dad and, and have those kind of moments. So you know, that was my first introduction to golf. It was super casual. We'd play that nine hole golf course out in Catalina Island every year when we went there and then just mm -hmm. from there got the bug. And, you know, luckily my parents were a member at Brentwood Country Club. So had that at, as a resource to, to hone my game and, and kind of really meet other people and, and get my uh, competitive juices flowing. Uh, that, that sounds great. And, you know, um, you're obviously a lot younger than I am um, and, and play at a much higher level. Uh, when I was sort of a junior um, playing, I grew up back out east in Connecticut. It was before, you know, the days of the uh, American Junior Golf Association. It was just getting started. And, you know, there were obviously some junior events. But now the sense I have is is there's just so many more tournaments and stuff and and um kind of um as you got the bug and obviously as as it became clear that you were as um incredibly talented at the game as you are how did you sort of pursue that competitively i mean i know just watching you at brentwood you were rack up the club championships but kind of beyond just brentwood kind of how was your competitive experience yeah i mean golf was more of an outlet for me to just enjoy time with my family and friends when I first started picking it up. So it wasn't until a fellow uh, Brentwood Country Club member, EJ Khan, kind of introduced me to tournament golf. And actually his mom, Wendy, would drive EJ and I around to all these different Southern California golf tournaments through the SCGA. And that was kind of the first 
you know, experience for me in a competitive setting. And, and once I played in that, uh, I was pretty much hooked forever. I really liked the, the competitive side of me, but playing an individual sport versus a team sport where, you know, all the attention is on yourself. You know, you, you get all the glory and, and all the uh, <laughs> mistakes, you know, fall on your shoulders. But, you know, that was something that I really, really liked. And once I played that first tournament, you know, I just wanted more and more of that competitive environment. So kept signing up for tournaments, played the junior tour circuit, uh, you know, played in high school, walked on to my college golf team. And, and then the rest is kind of history from there. So just kind of kept uh, pushing myself and kind of evolving to the next stage of competitive golf. Interesting. Um, so um, that's interesting. I actually didn't know that you just walked out at, at the University of Denver. So um, uh, and so you uh, played in college. I think you graduated in 2009. And then tell me kind of what was your thought process in terms of um, at that point thinking about um, going and making golf, uh, making a go of it on tour. I know you ended up going on the Nation, then called the Nationwide Tour, now the Corn Ferry Tour, um, which is kind of the tour right below the PGA Tour. What was your sort of thought process there in terms of giving that a go and, and then really interested in kind of what your experience was like? Yeah, when I, when I graduated college, I really had no un understanding or even idea of what I was going to do. So, you know, Q School and professional golf just seemed like the you know, obvious next step with kind of the trajectory of my golf career, starting as, you know, someone who had just picked up the game at 13 years old and then playing competitively and then high school golf and college golf and even through college golf, you know, walked on the team, earned myself a scholarship, won a couple tournaments and started to build a resume and you know, Q school seemed to be the next step. So that summer when I graduated, I got a sponsor's exemption into the, the Ford Wayne Gretzky Classic in, outside of Toronto, Ontario. And mm -hmm. first professional event, you know, debut, uh, I made the cut on the Nationwide Tour, finished around 15th or 17th. I don't remember exactly where it was, but that got me exempt into the following week, which was in Omaha, Nebraska. So I made the cut there too. And then I had made enough money on the Nationwide Tour at that time to get invited into, I think, one of their invitationals and kind of just got started in my professional career through this sponsor's exemption and putting a couple good finishes together. And then that, that year when that concluded, I went to Q school, got through first stage. I won second stage. Uh, Monday qualified for a PJ Tour event, made the cut there and just kind of you know, that was the start of my PGA Tour or my professional golf career was just uh, through this uh, sponsor's exemption and parlayed that into uh, a three-year stint on the, on the Nationwide Tour at the time. Interesting. So, so let's talk a little bit just about the Q School. I'm fascinated by that. That's always been viewed as the most pressurized um, tournament there is. Um, you know, we all, you know, always, of course, think of, you know, the majors and the masters and the U.S. Open, but um, you always watch that and see, you know, people come down to the end and 
you know, they need a putt to actually get their card or whatever. Now it's a little different, I think, because I think they shuttle most people through what's now the Corn Ferry Tour. But um, that must have been an, an intense experience, I would imagine, going through through Q School. What was uh, what was that tournament like? Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's brutal. And I think anyone who's ever been to Q School can relate that it's definitely a little bit of an unfair format. I mean, it, it favors the person who's super hot at the time. I mean, you could have one of the best seasons of your entire life and get to Q School and have a mediocre week. And, and then, you know, there's a huge roadblock ahead of your career. So, you know, right. it, it favors the person who's playing great at the time. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a great test of golf. I mean, you got to get through at the, even nowadays, there's like a pre-qualifying to even get into the qualifying school. So it's just uh, a marathon over a couple months where you got to play at the highest level. And then you know, the former or like the previous format of the final stage Q school where it was six rounds, you know, I had never played in a six round tournament, yet alone probably even a 72 hole turn, you know, very few 72 right. tournaments at the right. time. So it's just a different mindset. Once you get into that, that stage, it's, uh, it was something that I struggled with because you know, the last round I, I kind of played myself out of a, a full-time job on the PGA tour. I shot 74. And I think if I would have shot, you know, 72, I would have had a full PGA tour card for that season, but uh, oh, wow. I'm not living in the past or anything like that. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, wow. it, I, I actually, I actually did cool. not know that. Um, Cause again, as you're pointing out, I mean, back then, you could go right to the tour from from Q School. Um, wow, that's that's amazing. I, I I did not know that. So, didn't get the ticket punch to the big show, but you did get status on I guess the nationwide tour. And so now you're out there. Um, you know, for the next um, I guess you stayed out there 2010 2011. Um, you know, we all kind of we we uh, we watch what's on the PGA tour and. Um, listen, I mean, you know, those guys have earned it, but you know, it's, they all have their, you know, every, all the travels taken care of for them. You know, the PGA tour does a lot for that, you know, 125 people or whatever that are, are, are playing, you know, have their tour card and, and are playing corn Ferry tour, or then the nationwide tour, a little different. I mean, you're not going to the same kind of cities and I'm assuming the courses aren't quite set up the same and you're probably doing a little more of your own um, logistics work. I mean, tell us what it was like, you know, for those couple of years you were out there trying to um, trying to make it on, on, on the um, nationwide tour. Yeah. I mean, I, there was a saying that, you know, from a financial perspective, you could basically add a zero to just about everything, uh, you know, from nationwide tour to PJ tour at the time, you know, from prize money to endorsements, you name it. But yeah, I mean, mm. you're, not, you're not going to the, you know, A-list cities or, you know, having, uh, you know, catered meals in between rounds and physical therapists right. on site. But I mean, right. the PJ tour definitely tried to do their part to make travel as cohesive as possible you know, gave you a reservation specialist, discounts on rental cars and hotels. And, you know, they, they definitely did everything they could, but it was a whole, a, you know, very eye-opening experience for me. I, I had never really traveled on my own. 
I had never managed my game, managed my travel schedule, managed my personal life. So all of that kind of coming to a head while kicking off your professional golf career was, was a lot to take in. And, and it's hard to you know, sharpen your, your craft while you're managing all these other facets of, of your day to day. So it was definitely an experience that like looking back on it now, you know, I have a much clearer picture on what I could have done. But when you're 22, 23 years old, you know, and, and you're having some small success, like you're just trying to live your life and, and be social and have a good time. But yet there was a job to be done. And, and I kind of neglected that, I guess, a little bit. But I'm sure it was a great experience. And you did have, you know, absolutely, you, you had some notable successes. I mean, um, so you, you do that in 2010, do that in 2011. Um, what, what was the thought process behind um, deciding to go a different direction and not pursue, you know, you know, playing at the professional level as your, as your main pursuit? Because um, you were... Again, I, you know, you, you, you were very respectful in terms of how you were playing out there. I know it's incredibly competitive and stuff, but just kind of curious, what, if anything, happened? Um, I mean, did you give you, were you, did you say to yourself, gee, I'm going to give it three years and see what happens? Or did something occur that sort of made you decide to, you know, decide to go in a different direction? Yeah, it definitely was not the case where I put a time on it and said, hey, if these kind of milestones aren't met, you know, I'm hanging it up. It's more for me, when you're out there, your emotional condition and your state, you know, like I'm out there and I just wasn't enjoying myself. You know, I never ever grew up as a kid saying, oh, I, I want to play on the PGA Tour or I want to be, you know, a top 20 golfer in the world. Like those were not things that I was, uh, I was thinking and dreaming about in my, in my teens and, and through college. So you know, professional golf was kind of something that just happened to me and was part of my, my career path or trajectory coming out of school. And, and it's an experience I wouldn't trade for anything else. I mean, I learned a lot about myself, a lot about how I travel, how to live on my own. You know, I basically lived out of my suitcase for uh, 35 weeks a year. So there, there's a lot of things that you can kind of uncover uh, about yourself and learn things that you can use for the rest of your life. But it just wasn't something I, I've always been a homebody. So I just wasn't enjoying it. And there were moments when you're sitting in your hotel room after playing golf, you know, good or bad round. And you're just like, man, what am I doing out here? Like I'm in Hawkinsville, Georgia, you know, eating at Outback Steakhouse. And I thought that that was like the most deluxe meal I've had in weeks. So it's just, uh, it just wasn't a lifestyle that like fit my personality, but you know, there are parts about uh, parts of me that love competitive golf. And still to this day, golf will forever be a part of my life. But I just always saw myself as more of an entrepreneur and wanted to start a business. And that was the environment that I grew up in with a dad who, you know, started his own business and took over and was very sales oriented and you know, just always looked at things through a business lens. So that was part of my childhood and, and something that I always had the mindset for. So, you know, kind of blended my passion for golf and technology and, and started Four Links. No, that makes all the sense in the world. And we're going to get into Four Links and talk about that. It is a perfect marriage. I know of, 
and, and I know of your dad and, and, and the entrepreneurial um, aspect you talk about, and I, it does sound like a perfect marriage. Before we leave the golf uh, or the tour, just one, I, I did want to curious about one thing, because um, you, you did have a ringside seat. You were in, or you, not a ringside seat, you were inside the ring, I guess, better said, you know, in terms of being um, a participant um, on the nationwide tour and seeing all these folks and, you know, some of whom I'm sure have gone on to uh, have great success. I think one of the things for us um, uh, lesser golfers, when we watch this and we watch the nationwide tour and um, the, the differences seem so slight in terms of, you know, you look at the scores being shot on the nationwide tour, they're great. You know, a lot of great players there. You see, you know, amateurs come up and, you know, who are look like they're going to be short things and it doesn't happen. It just seems like the difference is so slight. And I know I, I was interested. I saw a month or so ago, Golf Digest had a little piece online talking about this. I think it was right before the PGA at Harding Park. And um, I think Brendan Todd, you know, you mentioned he was out there when you were um, and, you know, you, you, you didn't seem like he was anything different than everyone else. And of course, you know, he's on the tour now and a multiple winner. And I mean, it, it, those differences must be so slight, right? I mean, I guess that's the nature of the game, but I'm just curious since you were out there and you, I'm sure Brendan's not the only one that you played with who, you know, we, we, you know, has gone on to sort of make it on the tour. I mean, can you can you sense or tell when you're playing with someone whether you think they're going to have what it is to make it or is it just such a fine line that it's really really hard to tell it's so hard to tell i mean the the it's definitely not a a talent gap i would say talent wise you know everyone's got the game it's just a matter of you know the small things like can't it's are are you making certain putts under pressure uh are, are you training right? You know, is your demeanor uh, good after you make a bogey? Like, there's so many small things that, that kind of add up to your performance that it, the, the scores and the caliber of player on the Nationwide Tour or now Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Tour, I think there are very few people who can start to create separation just off of sheer talent or ball striking uh, maybe you look at guys like Dustin Johnson and, and Rory McIlroy who like, you know, they're, they're competing even when they're not even playing good golf. And uh, right. but that's it. That's the difference of like maybe talent and, and ball striking, but guys like Brendan Todd, you know, he may hit it below average, but he makes up for that, you know, on the, on the greens, his chipping and putting is the best I've ever seen. Like the guy's, you know, if he's not making it, the ball is like high side, perfect speed past the hole. You know, he's chipping in right. and left. Like it's, it's guys like that. And, and look, I mean, his, you know, mental health or, or you know, whatever you want to call it from his game, like it, it, he had a downturn and he came back and bounced back from that. So there are guys that some, it could be demeanor, some, it could be improving, you know, your, your inside five foot putting, like, it's a variety of different things, but it's definitely not a, a talent uh, gap or, or anything like that. So to me, it, it really comes down to how do you handle yourself in certain situations, you know, even off the golf course, are you eating right? Are you working out? You know, are, are you doing all these things to stay sharp, both mentally and physically? 
Like, it, so it's tough to like even put your finger or isolate a specific thing, but you know, it, it is cool to see people's careers take shape, you know, especially when they haven't had a ton of success and then, you know, kind of hit their stride. Right. No, for sure. It is, it is amazing. So that is an experience I'm sure you wouldn't trade for anything and amazing. And, and, um, uh, and then as you were mentioning a minute ago, you know, you always did have uh, entrepreneurial bent. Your, your dad certainly um, does. And um, so, um, and I know you were doing different things before you came to four links, which I think was started around 2000. 15. So let's, let's talk about four links and maybe um, talk a little bit. I think I've heard you talk about the, the ski pass experience when you were in Colorado, maybe is one of the things that was floating around in your mind when you thought about four links, but um, maybe just let's talk uh, briefly about kind of how, how you came to um, sort of devise the product that has become four links and what your thinking was and kind of how you got started. Yeah. So after I decided to hang up the golf clubs and look for another career path, I moved back to Los Angeles and took a job with a friend's company who was developing native iOS applications for sporting teams and venues. So that was kind of my first touch point into the tech world and really had a lot of interaction with software developers and graphic designers. And I love the process of bringing an idea to life and, and you know, have it, having a digital footprint. So you know, ultimately wanted to you know, do something that I was very passionate about and you know, that's technology and golf. So wanted to build my, my own idea. And you mentioned the, the ski pass out in Colorado, definitely part of the, the origin story of Four Links. But you know, looking back on my experience in the golf world and growing up uh, in that environment, you know, I think one of the most broken things in the industry is the golf membership model. I mean, mm -hmm. there are lots of great things about it, and I don't want to knock it, but, you know, these high initiation fees, huge monthly dues, food and beverage minimums, access to only one golf course, and sometimes a very stuffy environment, you know, just in my mind made for a very good opportunity to build something that could speak to the masses who maybe weren't able to join a private club or, or weren't, didn't want to join a club. So, you know, we've been building a, a digital currency that's all things golf. Basically, it, they're called Four Links Points and people can earn and buy Four Links Points. And from there, use those Four Links Points to book tee times at right now about 200 different golf courses in the Four Links Network, play fantasy golf and shop a marketplace. So. You know, from a 10,000 foot view, we're really trying to build this all-in-one golf membership that uh, runs on a digital currency. So it's been fun. Uh, definitely have, have built a, a nice tech stack and, and a solid brand. And now we're kind of looking down the path of what a strategic partnership looks like. So, you know, just with golf, you know, got to keep your skills sharp and uh, keep working at it. For sure. So let's talk about kind of for folks who aren't familiar with it and it's fourlinks.com f-o-r-e-l-i-n-x.com and, and i will say it's a beautiful website i love the um drone photography showing folks playing um but just how does it sort of work is it a membership model or a subscription model or 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 if i was interested if i 
if I'm listening to this and I, you know, I don't belong to a private club and I want to, but I'm an avid golfer interested in golfing. Um, how do I get into it? How does it work? Yeah. So we have kind of two avenues for people who are new to four links. One is a monthly subscription. Essentially you pick how many points you need per month. Say if you were playing two or three times a month, you know, you find out how many points you'll need to play the golf courses you want to play. And then from there, you, you set the price of your subscription and every month we'll deposit, you know, a set amount of four links points into your account. And that's on a, a recurring 30 day basis. And then from there, you can use those four links points to book tee times. You know, it's all digital. You find the tee time you want, click a button, select how many players. You know, everything is, is paid in points. So when you show up, it's completely touchless. Obviously, uh, you know, things are a little different in, in this COVID uh, you know, health crisis we've got going on where, you know, pay cash payments are kind of non-existent and everything is right. trying to be as seamless and as touchless as possible. Actually, we've been doing that for three years now. So uh, kind of a, ahead of the curve there. So outside of the subscription, you can also uh, sign up for free and create an account and purchase points a la carte, or you can earn four links points through a variety of different actions. You know, that could be referring someone to join four links that's bringing guests through four links completing different uh, activations and partnerships that's you know a prime example is we did an american golf three course challenge where you know if you play three different american golf courses in your first 30 days of four links you know you'll get a, a bonus uh, of 25 dollar points credit so it's really kind of trying to gamify the fan experience and providing a, a digital community for golfers alike who, you know, want to watch more through fantasy golf and engage with the, the game that way. And, and the fantasy golf side is actually very interesting from a sense of, you know, we're the first company really to kind of marry the act of watching golf and playing more golf because you can draft a team of, of PJ tour players competing on four links and use your winnings to then go book a tee time at a local golf course. So, you know, you mm. can essentially, drafting a team on Wednesday night, watching them play Thursday. If you win those points, you know, those get deposited into your account immediately and then book a tee time Friday, all through four links, all through your account. So it's a, it's a nice, you know, hybrid of what really incentivizing people to, to watch more and then ultimately play more. So it's uh you know, it's been really fun to, to see it take shape from where we started. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're far from done. No, it, it, it's a very, I give you a lot of credit. I mean, I think the idea of marrying the fantasy golf stuff with the the rest of it is, is really clever. Um, if, if nothing else, um, you know, you're getting people, you know, uh, involved in your site much more frequently than if they were only interacting with it to sign up for times uh, for golf. So um, it's, I, I think it's a really, it's a really smart idea in terms of the different tea times. I'm assuming, uh, cause I haven't, I haven't used this site, but I'm assuming, uh, you've got different courses that, um, uh, you know, a, a more desirable course is going to cost you more points than a less desirable course. And, and I'm, I assume also there's a variability if I'm picking a, um, you know, prime time on a weekend versus, a weekday afternoon. Um, do I, 
do I see those different, um, I was going to use the term price, I know I'm paying in terms of points, but do I see those different point amounts when I go on or how, do, how does that work if I'm, if I'm a consumer trying to sign up? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how the, the point system started was we know that golf is an interesting one where one, we're dealing with expiring inventory and, and two, right. the price of golf can vary pretty dramatically based on the quality of the course, time of day, weather conditions, you, you name it. So we needed to find a way to price all the inventory across the four links platform and provide our users flexibility. So the point system was an easy way to kind of, you know, have a dynamic pricing formula, if you will, where when you sign on to four links and you're looking at, at uh, the inventory, just say, let's use Sandpiper, for example, mm -hmm. you could, uh, you'll be able to see that Saturday morning tea times are going to be more in four links points than your Tuesday afternoon at, at 4:30 PM. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's definitely not something that we've had to like re-educate users in the sense of most people know that you know, there's a, a floating scale for, for the pricing of tea times. And, and the four links point system allows people to, to have flexibility within their schedule to kind of pick and choose when they want to play. And then now we've given them other avenues for them to use their four links points on things like our marketplace or the fantasy golf platform. Uh, and then additional ways for them to earn them. So you know, the ultimate goal is to kind of provide them a, a way to all more affordable for everybody. And so that, that's very helpful. So that, that's it. So, and and you're, as I think about this, you kind of got two different sides of this, right? You've got the people who are the golfers who are signing up for it. And we've just talked about kind of how the point system works, but then you also got the golf course side of it, um, signing up different courses, maybe spend a minute to talk about that kind of how's that reception been from golf courses in terms of um their uh their your the and, and maybe even describe what the appeal is if i'm if i'm running a golf course a municipal course or or even you know a a public access course that's privately owned or maybe a resort course um uh, I, I think i've seen some of the orange county resorts on your site What's the what's the incentive, the appeal, the benefit from the golf course side of of, of going with you folks? Yeah, we have uh, we have kind of a B two C part of our business and a B two B side of our business. Where right. you know right. the golf courses, we we consider them our, our partners, and we come to these golf courses. All I mean, anything from daily fee, municipal, semi-private, private, and come to them and say, hey. We're going to be an extension of your marketing strategy. You know, we've got a user base of our own that essentially lives inside of this gated community. And any tea times that we send to you are most likely going to be incremental, being that they were not going to play your golf course because you're not on four links already. So you know, we're, we're an extension of their marketing strategy. We help them fill in uh, expiring inventory and do it in a way where they control 100% of their rate. As that's been a big kind of uh, debate in the golf industry of, you know, golf now has been cannibalizing the golf industry. I won't go down that rabbit hole, but basically we allow our golf course partners to control their rate. So they provide us a rate they're comfortable collecting on a per round basis or for a specific time of day. We put that into four links points. Uh, 
you know, as a subscriber of Four Links Points, you're able to book that with your Four Links Points. We collect those points from you. We pay the golf course. As a subscriber, you show up and play. All is good, you know, green fee and cart fee included. So, you know, there is kind of two silos of our business and, and you know, how we've been able to grow it. The golf course uh, side of our business is, you know, we are, are complementary to what they're, they're already doing. And we provide a lot of flexibility to them to control the pricing where, you know, they're not displacing a full, a full paying customer with a discounted round. And our point system speaks to a lot of what they're focused on is it, it, it camouflages the rate. So they're a little more likely to discount their rate through four links when it's converted in four links points than putting it up on a, another third party site where it says $100 and there's a giant 60% off slash through it. it. It's just kind of a race to the bottom on some other platforms and, and four links definitely takes the integrity piece into it and wants to be a partner of the golf course. So, you know, for us, a lot of our, our growth has been hand-to-hand -hand combat, going to individual golf courses, you know, telling them this story, explaining how we can help. And we're starting to get to the, to the phase where we're speaking to more of the, the management levels of American golf and Kemper sports uh, and people like that to onboard, you know, dozens of golf courses at a time as, you know, right now we're just in California, Arizona, and Nevada. So, you know, we see ourselves being a nationwide product in the coming years. So that actually gets to one of, one of the things I was going to ask you is kind of where you see the business going from here. So geographical expansion in terms of your course coverage, it certainly sounds like one thing that's um, planned for. I mean, is there anything else besides that kind of just, you know, growth in the courses that you're offering that you kind of see um, I, you know, again, the fantasy golf was a very clever thing. I know you added that. Is there anything else on the site that, or in terms of the product aspect you see changing besides just kind of growing the courses and number of folks using it? Um, just if you can give folks maybe a sense of where you see things headed. Yeah. I mean, we've spent the last couple of years really developing the product to get it to where it is now. And we feel very strongly that, that we're onto something special you know, building this first of its kind, kind of all-in-one golf membership. And the points currency is where we see it evolving the most. I mean, there, there are avenues where we see credit card companies where your daily spend, you know, whether you're getting a Starbucks or shopping at Costco, uh, is, can right. potentially be converted into four-links points that can be then used to book a tea time at, TPC Sawgrass or Chambers Bay or Aviara. And, you know, I, it may be a little niche in some people's mind, but there are a lot of golfers out there who spend a lot of money. And, you know, why shouldn't there be this rewards currency for, for people to get rewarded on, on their kind of daily habits? So that's kind of big picture where we see it going it is being able to earn four links points on a lot of different channels and a lot of different platforms and a lot of cross partnerships, but that all starts with getting a, a national footprint. So in the interim, our focus is expanding the course density into new markets. And when we have course density, we're then able to open up a, a much larger audience to offer the fantasy game too. No, that makes perfect sense. So maybe just a kind of, we're sitting here, we're 2020, it's been five years, I guess, since it was founded. 
what just ballpark what's the scope of the business today in terms of both just in terms of number of users uh on the on the b2c aspect of it and then kind of what's this number of courses that you offer on the on the uh, back end yeah and I don't want to reveal too much information but uh we have about 200 course partners that are inside the four links network and are all available to play at any time digitally. And then we have about four private clubs that we work with that we kind of treat as a, a member perk for our subscribers. And we've got about 1200 active subscribers right now using the platform in three different states. Wow. Wow. That's tremendous. Um, a really, really, really neat product. I mean, and, and you must, you know, kind of going back to where we started in your entrepreneurial bent, I mean, you must look at this and really have, um, I know I would if I was in your shoes, a lot of satisfaction. I know, you know, it's the story's far from over. You're growing it, and, and as you just described, but you must look on this, you know, or at the five-year point and sort of feel like, God, uh, this, this has been kind of neat. It certainly sounds like it is. Uh, it's definitely been fun. I have more gray hair than I've ever had before. I'm spinning <laughs> up top. I've got a two-year-old that I didn't have when I started the company. So uh, a lot of things have changed and uh, I wouldn't change it for anything. So I, I love what I'm doing and I've got a pretty clear picture of, of where we're going to take four links. You know, it's just the golf industry is, is pretty slow moving at times as you may have experienced. And uh, sure. I'm sure it'll happen. Uh, we're having a lot of uh, exciting conversations. For sure. Well, one final thing, I just I I was curious, kind of, you know, when I when you sort of this this crazy um, pandemic that we're in, um, you know, golf has been an interesting uh, piece of it in the sense of I just knowing I know this both from what I see at Brentwood, I know from talking to our friend Brady Riggs who teaches out at Hanson Dam, which is a public facility out um, in the valley, uh, the number of rounds seems like it's just going through the roof um, because it is a sport that you can play in a, in a socially distanced manner and in a safe manner. Um, and, um, you know, in this world where, you know, so much we're not able to do at the moment, um, golf has seemed to be a really great refuge for folks. And, I'm curious, do you see that through through four links in terms of um, the activity that you're seeing? Does it reflect the um, kind of uh, increased usage that at least, you know, anecdotally I'm seeing at courses in LA? No, no doubt. I mean, we, we've seen rounds up. We've seen fantasy golf entries up. You know, we've seen transaction in our marketplace up. And almost every golf company that we've spoken with in the last couple of months have seen a very similar trend. So you know, I would say for the first time in my lifetime in, in the golf industry, uh, this has been the first you know, real tailwind uh, and positive momentum we felt. You know, obviously, it's a little trying on your moral compass when it comes on the back of a global health crisis. But you're right. I mean, the sport is something that can be done you know, while still being social, but, but remaining socially distant and people feel very comfortable, you know, very open areas, you know, single rider carts, you know, keeping the flag stick in, you know, 
the foresight of the USGA to implement that rule before COVID what, you know, is pretty wild to think about. So kudos to them. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it's been very interesting for golf. And I think a lot of people were terrified when golf courses first started closing. But, you know, think of it this way. They were the, the last to close and first to reopen. And uh, things are trending in the right direction. And it's also been interesting for, for professional golf. I mean, look at, uh, you know, the PGA Tour has been able to, to keep the momentum going and put on live broadcasts with no fans and have been able to do a good job doing it. Yeah, that is for sure. And, and, um, and I know their ratings are, have been up and um, they have, they, it, it is remarkable. I know, um, uh, you know, the, the level of detail that um, Jay Monahan and the, and the staff has gone through to create the, I guess, the traveling bubble, if you will, um, that the PGA Tour is. And, um, it's 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 a lot and and you know knock on wood so far they've really i think done a great job but um yeah and 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 agree with you i mean that the whole golf um uh the whole the whole golf uh industry in terms of playing and stuff it's just been it's been a great um a great diversion a great thing to have back um with courses open um during these times so Danny, listen, I want to thank you. Um, this has been tremendous. I really appreciate you making the time. Um, you know, you uh, I, I'm someone who's always admired your game. Um, and um, I knew a little bit about Four Links. Um, I know a little more now. And um, it sounds like it's going great. And I couldn't be happier for you. And um, I look forward to sort of seeing it progress and, and seeing where you take it. Um, but um, at the five-year mark, congratulations on, you know, creating something from scratch, and it sounds like it's going great. Well, thank you, Larry. I appreciate you thinking of me for this podcast. So, uh, you know, best of luck moving forward, and happy to be on. Terrific, Danny. We'll talk soon. Thanks very much. All right, Larry. Take care. Be well. Okay, take care. Bye-bye now.